Hello, this is William Fink, and this is the Christagonia Open Forum. Yes, there was a reason for playing that tonight, and no, I'm not going to discuss it right away. Nah, it was okay. It was, um, it was really a substitute song for something that I thought was too long and too sad or, or down, so I wanted to play something a little more upbeat. Okay, it's Monday, March 28th, 2011, and I forgot to set the default channel, so I just need one second to do that. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for being here. Tonight, the person that sparked this conversation isn't here, of course, so he'll just have to listen to the, um, the podcast, I guess. The Two Natures of a Damic Man. This is only going to take about 30 minutes, I, I pray. Um, it, it seems, and, and it's evident, and Clifton may know more about this than I, because I really don't read these, these, um, fools like, um, Ted Wheeland and James Brueggemann. It seems that a lot of people that claim identity claim that the other races have a place in the kingdom because, well, what one thing that they point out is, because we're all just men and we're all the same, right? It is basically that their point. And and I I take great offense in that, but we are not all the same. Well, we are certainly not brothers under the skin. Well, we're more different under the skin than we are on top of it. But they like to point out Ephesians two three, what where it says that we by nature are, are sinners. Basically, it is what it says. And and I'm going to read Ephesians chapter two, um, verses one through nine in, in a moment from the Christogenian New Testament. And, and it's um, they they take advantage they they take one phrase out of context and they put it up on a pedestal and they point at it and they say see I told you so and and whenever somebody does that with one phrase we better take a good look at the context who is being spoken to who that phrase is being uttered to the context it's in and how the writer uses similar phrases elsewhere it is a it is a big help but but context is a hundred percent of understanding the Bible and if you don't look at the context and I'm going to read this and and we're going to follow the context and and we're going to see what it really says and and Ephesians 2 1 and this is the Christogenian New Testament of course and you being dead in transgressions and in your errors or sins Paul's writing to the Ephesians the Ephesians are, as it can be historically demonstrated, a part of the dispersed children of Israel, in which you at one, had at one time walked. The Christians now, they don't walk in their errors anymore. In accordance with the age of this society or world, in accordance with the ruler of the office of the heir, a very enigmatic and enigmatic statement, the spirit that is now operating within the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience still have and will always have this spirit operating within them. It is them, as we shall see. When we follow their ways, this is what the people who are abusing Ephesians 2-3 are missing, is that there's three, that there's two parties here, that there's the people whose Paul is addressing, and there is the sons of disobedience. And, and they're being contrasted here. When we follow their ways, we operate in accordance with them. And that's what Paul's saying here, that we once walked in accordance with the sons of disobedience. That doesn't mean that we were 
sons of disobedience. It just meant that we were disobedient sons of God, as we shall see as we cover all the supporting scriptures that I'm going to cite here. Among whom we also had all at one time conducted ourselves. Paul is stating in Ephesians chapter 2 that we all, and, and he means himself and, and, and the Ephesians, had at one time conducted themselves among the sons of disobedience. But well, this is, um, this is the story of Israel. The children of Israel followed after strange gods. The children of Israel followed after and mingled with the Canaanites. They were told not to do it because they would learn their ways. This is the story of the Old Testament that Paul is encapsulating here in a few short sentences in Ephesians chapter 2. The spirit operating within the sons of disobedience, the children of Canaan, children of the serpent, among whom we all we also had all at one time conducted ourselves in the desires of our flesh, acting out the wills of the flesh and of the thoughts. Now, now the no-Satan people would say that Satan is the flesh, and, and they are really disillusioned. There are three parties here now. There is the sons of disobedience. There is the we which is Paul and his audience, and there is the third party being the flesh, acting out the wills of the flesh and of the thoughts, and we were by nature children of wrath, even like the others. Now the people that want to abuse the phrase, we were by nature children of wrath, are on the first count, Ignoring the comparison to the sons of disobedience or the others in the phrase which follows, even like the others. That's their first error. Their second error is to misunderstand the way Paul uses the term nature. Because we were by nature children of wrath does not mean that we were by race children of wrath. Rather, we were by nature children of wrath because... We followed our fleshly nature. We being children of God, we have two natures. Our nature never changes, ever, so long as we keep the law of kind after kind. For example, 1 John 3, 9, in his epistle, the apostle says, Each who has been born from of Yahweh does not create wrongdoing, does not author wrongdoing or sin, because his seed abides in him. And he was not able to do wrong because from of Yahweh he has been born. Yet, we are found following after wrongdoing when we follow the flesh. And we follow the flesh when we're tempted by the sons of disobedience. It's that simple. There were three parties here. There's the children of God, who Paul is addressing. There's the children of wrath, the sons of disobedience, and is a spirit that operates in them and that corrupts us wherever they go. And then there is the flesh. That's the third party. No Satan people would have you believe that there's only everybody in one group and then the flesh in another group. And that's how Ted Wheeland would rather have you read this that anybody could follow after the flesh, so therefore anybody could be saved. That's certainly not what Paul's saying. But Yahweh, being rich in compassion, 
because of that great love of his with which he has loved us, and we being dead in transgressions are made alive with the anointed, in favor you are being preserved. The anointed, the group, or Christ, if you would read it that way, it doesn't really matter in this context. And are raised together and are seated together in the heavenly places with Christ Yahshua, in order that he would exhibit in the coming ages the surpassing riches of his favor and kindness to us among the number of Christ Yahshua. That favor is a matter of Old Testament prophecy, prophesied only for the children of Israel. For in favor you are being preserved through faith. And that's because, as we read Jeremiah 31, and we consider that Yahweh divorced his wife because his wife played the harlot under the law, the children of Israel should have died. And Jeremiah 31 promises that they would not. Yahweh chose to die himself as Christ, freeing the children of Israel from the law. That's the favor. It only applies to the children of Israel, they who were under the law. In favor, we are being preserved, and are raised together and are seated together in heavenly places with Christ Yahshua. For in favor, you are being preserved through faith, and this is Yahweh's gift, and is not of yourselves, not from works, meaning rituals, lest anyone would boast for his work we are, having been established among the number of Christ Yahshua, for good works which Yahweh prepared in order that we would walk in them, that's another reference to the Old Testament and the children of Israel. I'm going to show. I'm, I'm going to read some scriptures that show the dual nature of Adamic man. We all have a choice, being children of God, to follow the flesh or follow the spirit. That or that is what Ephesians two is talking about. It's only talking about Adamic man. It can't possibly be talking about anybody else because they simply don't have that spirit. Galatians 5.16 Now I say this, you must walk in the spirit, and the desire of the flesh you should not at all fulfill. The flesh desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And, and we see that is evident in our lives every day. Our desires, our lusts are often contrary to the law, and we have to check ourselves. And, and I'm not saying we all do it, but we've all done it. And, and we have to check ourselves and, and understand that some types of behavior are, of course, wrong and sinful, and we won't participate in them. And, and I don't care if it's if you're lusting after money or lusting after um, some new car or some idol or lusting after some young girl. But if you are led by the Spirit, this is Galatians 5.18, you are under no law. Of course, we don't need the law because the Spirit's so always obedient to God. The children of God have a dual nature, spirit and flesh. We are born of the water and of the blood. I'll repeat and I'll repeat John chapter three verses five through eight momentarily. Manifest are the deeds of the flesh. Such things are fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, use of drugs, hostility, contention, rivalry, wrath, intrigues, dissension, sex, envyings, drunkenness, revelries, and things like these. Which I have announced to you beforehand, just as I have said before, that they who practice such things shall not inherit Yahweh's kingdom. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. 
people who follow the spiritual nature of Adamic man, and I mean people, I don't mean beasts, who follow the spiritual nature of Adamic man, those people don't have to worry about the law. Of course they're fulfilling it. John 3, 5 through 8. Joshua replied, and this is his conversation with Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, if one should not be born from of water and spirit, he is not able to enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. When the kingdom of Yahweh is established here on this earth, and you're not born of water and spirit, then your name's not written in the book of life, and you're not going to be here. That's just the way it is. That which is born from of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born from of the spirit is spirit. You should not wonder that I said to you that it is necessary for you to be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know from where it comes and where it goes. Thus we are all who are born from of the Spirit. In other words, we follow the Spirit. We don't see it, but we follow it because it's in us. His laws are written in our hearts. If we want to be rebellious from Yahweh, of course... We're going to follow the sons of disobedience, and we're going to fall into sin. That doesn't mean that all the races are the same as Ted Wheeland would have you believe, which is just ridiculous. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Uh, we speak wisdom among the accomplished, but wisdom not of this age, nor of those governing this age, who are being done away with. Rather, we speak wisdom of Yahweh that had been hidden in a mystery the mystery is who the people of Yahweh were. Paul was revealing that. Which Yahweh had predetermined before the ages for our honor. Which not one of the governors of this age has known. Since if they had known, they would not have crucified the authority of that honor. But just as it is written, things which eye did not see and ear did not hear. And came not into the heart of man. Those things Yahweh has prepared for them that love him. That to us, Yahweh reveals them through the Spirit, for the Spirit inquires of all things, even the depths of Yahweh. Indeed of men, who knows the things of mankind, except the Spirit of man which is within him? Yet, even so, no one knows the things of Yahweh, except the Spirit of Yahweh. Now, we do not receive the Spirit of the society, or the world, but that Spirit from Yahweh... We are born from above, is what Paul is saying. In which case we should know the things granted to us by Yahweh. Which also we speak of, not instructed in words of human wisdom, but instructed in of the Spirit, by the spiritual compounding with the spiritual. When you hear the truth, your spirit understands it, and you, you grasp onto it. Now the natural man... Here we go. Here is the way Paul defines this word nature. Now the natural man does not accept that of the Spirit of Yahweh, for it is folly to him, and he is not able to know because it is inquired of spiritually. Any one of us who wants to follow the flesh is not going to understand these things, and we're going to be taken away by the sons of disobedience. The spiritual inquires into all things, and it by no one is examined. For who has known the mind of Yahweh who will instruct him? But we have the perception of Christ. I may have translated that. We have the perception of the anointed, and we get that perception through the Spirit and through the Word of God. 
So we see that when Paul talks about nature, when he talks about the natural man, he's talking about us in our fleshly condition. If we follow the Spirit, we overcome our fleshly condition. We rise above the will of the flesh. Natural man is the fleshly man, which all Adamites are, and all of the other races. This is the nature of Ephesians 2. Verse 2, or verse 3, I'm sorry. The Adamic man also has the spirit of Yahweh, which sets him apart from all the other world's people, and certainly sets him apart from the sons of disobedience. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, have not been able to speak to you concerning the spiritual, but concerning the fleshly, like infants in Christ. I have given you milk to drink, not food. In other words, they weren't ready to follow the Spirit yet. I have given you milk to drink, not food. Indeed, you were not able, but still now you are not able. You are still fleshly. Damnic people have a choice, a choice that nobody else has. To walk in accordance with the flesh or to walk in accordance with the spirit. The other races do not have that choice because they do not have that spirit. Sons of disobedience were created out of disobedience because they were created contrary to the law of God. They will always be sons of disobedience. They can't change. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Now then, there is no condemnation to those among the number of Christ, Yahshua. All Israel shall be saved. Yahshua came for them. Indeed, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Yahshua has liberated you from the law of guilt or sin and death. The law is powerless in that it has been weak over the flesh. And of course, we all see that. Yahweh sending his own Son in the likeness of errant or sinful flesh, and amidst guilt or flesh, uh, I'm sorry, or sin, condemned guilt or sin in the flesh. The judgment of the law should be fulfilled among us who walk not in accordance with the flesh, but in accordance with the Spirit. For they who are in accordance with the flesh strive after the things of the flesh, and they become fleshly by nature. Because our nature, our, our nature is flesh. And they who are in accordance with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We can't be one of the other races. We can't be sons of disobedience by race. We can be like the sons, in accordance with, is what Paul says in Ephesians. He doesn't say that we will be sons of disobedience in Ephesians. That's where Ted Wheeland really goes wrong. Paul doesn't say that we can be sons of disobedience. He says that we can walk in accordance with, in agreement with, the sons of disobedience. Even though we are sons of God. Sons of disobedience sure as hell can't walk in accordance with the ways of Yahweh. Because they, their very existence is a violation of His law. For they who are in accordance with the flesh strive after the things of the flesh. And are tempted by the panderers of this age, right? And they who are in accordance with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Indeed, the purpose of the flesh is death, can't be avoided. But the purpose of the Spirit is life and peace. Without the Spirit, there is no true life. 
That is why the infiltrators are called by Jude, as we will see below, twice dead, because they don't have that spirit. An Adamic man can lose his spirit if he mixes his race. That's what a broken cistern is. That's what clouds without water are. And we'll see that in Jude. 1 Corinthians 8, 7. Because the purpose of the flesh is hostile to Yahweh, and to the law of Yahweh it is not obedient, neither it is able. Neither is it able to be. We should all know by our life's experience that the flesh only seeks to satisfy itself. And they that are in the flesh are not able to satisfy Yahweh. However, you are not in the flesh, and we should not be, being Christians, but in the Spirit, if indeed, if indeed, the Spirit of Yahweh dwells in you. And if one has not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of him. If one is not a son of Adam, one has not the Spirit of Christ. You can't be a Christian. Forget it. And, and we'll see that in John 1, 4, John 1, chapter 4, towards the end of this presentation. But if Christ is in you, indeed, body is dead because of fault or sin, but the Spirit alive because of righteousness. Moreover, if the Spirit of He who raised Yahshua from the dead dwells in you, in other words, if you are a born-from-above Adamite, He who raises the anointed from the dead, or the Christ from the dead, will also produce alive your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you. Resurrection is through the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit which God breathed into Adam, you don't get resurrected. So then, brethren, we are obligated, and resurrection is a return to this physical world, from the spiritual. That's the way I look at it. So then, brethren, we are obligated not to the flesh to live in accordance with the flesh. For if in accordance with the flesh you live, you are about to die. And yes, we all slip into that. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We will have life here on earth if the Spirit is in control of the vessel which bears it. Indeed, as many as are led by the Spirit of Yahweh, these are sons of Yahweh, of course, because they have accepted that position of sons offered to them through obedience in God. It's that simple. That, that's what the so-called adoption is, right? It really means the position of sons. Therefore, you have not taken on a spirit of bondage anew to fear, but you have taken on a spirit of the position of sons in which we cry, Father, Father. That same spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of Yahweh. Once we hear the word, we understand it. Once we hear it correctly. And we know it. It resonates within us. And if children, then heirs. We have to be children first and then heirs. Heirs indeed of Yahweh and joint heirs of Christ. If indeed we suffer together, that also we will be honored together. Jude 1.6 Now we'll learn about the sons of disobedience. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness... And that might be an allegory, might be an allegory for race. Under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, upon which they shall all go into the lake of fire. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, race mixing, 
going after strange flesh. That word is different. Different flesh. Are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. At Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, which may well be the law, the Torah, first not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, Yahweh rebukes thee. These speak evil of those things which they know not, for what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, that's the way of race mixing, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, Balaam the prophet, who advised Black to have the daughters of Moab entice and seduce the children of Israel. That is also race mixing. Numbers chapter 25. And perished in the gainsaying of Korah, which is simply rebellion. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. In other words, they cannot, they cannot be converted to Christianity. It can't be. Guess one, ask that question later. There's no way that they could be converted to Christianity. There's spots in our feast of charity. They feed themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water. In other words, they're broken cisterns. They're vessels that don't have the spirit of Yahweh. Carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withers without fruit. Twice dead. Meaning that once they're dead physically, they're dead spiritually. Because they don't have the spirit of Yahweh. Plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming out of their own shame. Wandering stars. Wandering stars. The devil, Satan, the serpent, his tail pulled a third of the stars of heaven. These are the fallen angels. He pulled a third of the stars of heaven with him and he went wandering. That's why Jude calls them wandering stars. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? The spots in our feast of charity cannot ever be Christians. And while they look white, they are indeed actually the seed of Cain. Or the seed of, oh well, Cain, Cain and Esau, the fallen angels, whatever. That's where they came from. That's their derivation. They can't be converted. Their ultimate fate is destruction in the lake of fire. Not cleansing in the lake of fire, as some false teachers profess. And we will see that. 1 Corinthians 15.35 Some will say, how are the dead raised? And with what sort of body will they come? Fools, that which, we, that which you sow, is it not made alive, even if it may die, through the seed which carries it on. And that which you sow is not the body that you sowed it will be producing itself, but a bare grain, whether, for example, of wheat or of any of the others. And Yahweh gives to it a body just as he has willed, and to each one of those seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh one flesh of man and another of beasts and another of birds and another of fish and bodies in heaven and bodies on earth but difference is the effulgence 
or the glory in the King James Version, of the heavenly, and different is that of the earthly, one effulgence of the sun, and another effulgence of the moon, and another effulgence of the stars. A star differs in effulgence from other stars. In this way, also, is the restoration of the dead. Some of us shall shine brighter than others. It is sown in decay, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in honor. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. But we all have that spirit in us. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual. If there is a natural Adamic body, then that man has the spirit of Yahweh in him. He will be resurrected. That is what it means to be in the image of God. Verse 45. And just as it is written, the first man, Adam, came into a living soul, the last Adam into a life-producing spirit. Genesis Adam and Yahshua Christ, the only two men directly born from God. Therefore, they are the first and the last Adams. The rest of us are merely descendants of the first Adam. We're the sons of Adam. Christ was not a son of Adam. He was the last Adam. The last man directly born from God. As Luke 3.38 tells us, the first Adam was also the son of God. Not the son of Og. Not the son of some caveman. The son of God. There's nobody in between Adam and God. No generations of Cro-Magnons. But the spiritual was not first, rather the natural, and then the spiritual. First man from out of earth, soil. Second man from out of heaven. So Paul is taking advantage of, of, and making an allegory and, and taking advantage of the situation and comparing the first Adam as the earthly and Christ as the heavenly. But he's also talking about us, we are born a physical body, an earthly body, and raised a spiritual body. That body came from heaven. Adam was made from the dust of the earth and received the Spirit of God himself after he was created. The Spirit of God is the heavenly man. Flesh is the earthly. As he of soil, such as those who also are of soil, those in his image, as he in heaven, such as those also who are in heaven, who have that spirit. And just as we have borne the likeness of that of soil, if indeed we have that likeness, we shall also bear the likeness of that of heaven, so long as we have that spirit. But this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood are not able to inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Desires of men will never squeeze anybody into the kingdom who doesn't have that spirit. Or does decay inherit incorruption? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all fall asleep, but we shall all be changed. In an instant, in the dart of an eye, with the last trumpet, for it shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Resurrection only comes through the Spirit. I see resurrection, resurrection as the return to this life of all of our ancestors, the glorified Adamic body, a spiritual body. And when this decay shall have put on incorruptibility, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, and the word that has been written shall come to pass, death has been swallowed in victory. 
Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is guilt or sin, and the power of sin is the law. But gratitude is the Yahweh in whom we are being given the victory through our Prince Yahshua Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, you become steadfast, immovable at all times, being abundant in the work of the Prince, knowing that your toil is not empty with the Prince. Now, if death and Hades, in the book of Revelation, if death and Hades go into the lake of fire, never to be seen again, so it is with all of the people in the world who are not written in the book of the life, the book of life, the book of life of the Lamb, meaning the children of Israel, the only ones he came for. If death and Hades go into the lake of fire never to be seen again, then the Mexicans aren't getting a bus ticket back to Mexico. Two natures of Adamic man, and the way Paul uses the um, the, the word nature, right, in, in Ephesians chapter 2 is also evident Clement of Alexandria, Elucidations, book 2 from chapter 20. And I will quote, Such also are those who say that they follow Nicholas, quoting an adage of the man which they pervert, that the flesh must be abused, but the worthy man showed that it was necessary to check pleasures and lusts, and by such training to waste away the impulses and propensities of the flesh. But they, abandoning themselves to pleasure like goats, Clement knew the difference, he knew who the goats were, as if insulting the body, lead a life of self-indulgence, not knowing that the body is wasted, being by nature subject to dissolution. We see how Clement used that word nature, that's how Paul uses it in Ephesians 2.3. It has nothing to do with our race, it only has to do with the nature of the flesh. While their soul is buffed in the mire of vice, following as they do the teaching of pleasure itself, not of the apostolic man. Clement is actually um, addressing the Gnostics and, and who he thought were the Nicolaitans there, because the Gnostics, certain of them, claimed to follow Nicholas. The, the verse is pertinent to our, to our conversation here because it talks about, it, it defines what nature is to Clement. Clement is only several decades after Paul. To Peter, chapter 1. Simeon Petros, servant and ambassador of Yahshua Christ, to those who have obtained by fate, by fate, because they were children of Israel, it was prophesied of them, with us, an equally valued faith. That's the proof right there that Peter is writing to the uncircumcised. This is not a letter of Peter to the circumcision. This is a letter of Peter to the uncircumcision. And, and upon examination, we'll see that he actually wrote this letter to the assemblies which Paul founded in Asia. But that's not important. What's important is that this is to the uncircumcision. This is to the dispersed Israelites. That's why he, he is writing, to those who have obtained by fate with us an equally valued faith in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Yahshua Christ. Favor to you and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of our God and Prince Yahshua, as his divine power has given to us all things which are for life and piety through the knowledge of he who has called us into his own honor and virtue. 
by which he has given to us precious and very great promises in order that through these you would be partakers of the divine nature. So we see how Peter is using this word. Fleeing from the corruption in society in lust. Peter taught the same exact things as Paul did, but he was not so lengthy and wordy in his analogies. But Peter taught the same thing, that, that the nature of the body, when it falls into the lust of society, causes our corruption. That doesn't mean that non-Israelites can be saved, as Ted Wheeland wants to read Ephesians 2.3. That's just crazy. To Peter, the second epistle of Peter, I'm going to read parts of um, chapter 2, because it supports things that Jude said. For if Yahweh did not spare the messengers who had done wrong, but having cast them into Tartarus, which is the Greek word for hell, into a pit of darkness, he had delivered them being kept for judgment, and he did not spare of the old society, but he had kept Noah, the eighth proclaimer of righteousness, having brought a deluge, the flood, upon the society or world of the impious. And the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah burning to ashes, he had condemned to destruction, having been set forth for an example of those who were going to be impious. And he delivered the righteous lot, who had been oppressed by the licentious conduct of the lawless. Lot was oppressed by the licentious conduct of the lawless. For with sights and reports, the righteous one, meaning Lot, dwelling among them, day by day tormented a righteous soul with their lawless deeds. He had to live amongst the, these Canaanite sinners, right? The prince knows to deliver the pious from trial, but to keep the unrighteous being punished for a day of judgment, and especially those going after the flesh with desires of defilement and despising authority, presumptuous adventurers, not fearing honor, they blaspheme. Where the messengers, the angels, being greater in power and ability, do not bring against them a judgment for blasphemy as appropriate. Those who do not have the Spirit shall all go into the lake of fire in the end. Peter says that they're being preserved, they're being punished for a day of judgment. There is no true life without the Spirit, and in this life, this life which we have now is only temporary. Our real life is in the future in the Spirit. 2 Peter 2.12 But these, having been born as natural, irrational animals, or as the King James says, brute beasts, into destruction and corruption in which, blaspheming, they are ignorant in their corruption, they shall also perish. He's talking about the same fallen angels Jude was talking about. From these come the sons of disobedience. Doing injustice for the wages of injustice, regarding luxury of pleasure by day, stains and disgraces, reveling in their deceits, feasting together with you, these are the people Clement called goats. The same people whom Jude talked about, Peter talks about also feasting together with you, feasting together, these people, these infiltrators, feasting together with Christians. The same people that Jude called twice dead, and Jude also called them brute beasts. Those without the spirit of Yahweh are nothing but, quote-unquote, brute beasts, 
made to be taken and destroyed, as the King James Version says here in 2 Peter. Lake of Fire is not a town in Mexico. Having eyes full of adultery and unable to cease from wrongdoing, enticing unstable souls, having hearts exercised for greediness, cursed children. Look in the Old Testament, the children of Cain, Canaan, and Esau were cursed children. Abandoning the straight road, they have wandered astray, following in the way of Balaam, there we go, race mixing again, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Race mixed people, such as whites who were 10 or 15% Jewish. But he had a rebuke for his own transgression. A dumb beast of burden with the voice of a man, having spoken clearly, had curbed the derangement of the prophet. These are streams without water. Jude called them clouds without water. They are broken cisterns. They don't have the Spirit of God. These are the sons of disobedience in Ephesians chapter 2. Clouds being driven by a tempest for whom the gloom of darkness is kept. For uttering excessive vanity, they entice with the licentious desires of the flesh those nearly escaping or returning to error. Proclaiming for themselves freedom they become slaves of corruption. For by that which one is overcome, to this he is enslaved. For if escaping the pollution of society, by the knowledge of our Prince and Savior, Yahshua Christ, and these being entangled again are overcome, the ends of them become worse than the beginnings. For it was better for them not having known the way of righteousness, than they know turning away from the Holy Commandment having been delivered to them. Peter's talking about the people in Judea. But the truth of the proverb happened to them. A dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow being cleansed to rolling in mud. The tree is known by its fruit. Some of us, appearing to be children of God, prove that we are really dogs or swine by having the truth of the word, and yet returning to error. The tree is known by its fruit. 1 John chapter 4 Beloved, do not have trust in every spirit, but scrutinize whether the spirits are from of Yahweh. Because many false prophets have gone out into society. Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen. By this you know the spirit of Yahweh, each which professes that Yahshua Christ has come in the flesh, is from of Yahweh. And each spirit which does not profess that Yahshua is not from, is not from of Yahweh. And, and John Hagee recently denied Christ as the Messiah, right? He said, Jesus never said he was the Messiah. That's John Hagee. There are people whose origin is with the world, is with God, and there are people here whose origin is with the society. The first group are the children of Adam. The second group are the goats, the bastards, the children who were born from the fruits of the way of Cain and the error of Balaam. 1 John 4, verse 3. Each spirit which does not profess Yahshua is not from of Yahweh, and this is the Antichrist, who you have heard that it comes and is already now in society. You are from of Yahweh, children, and you have prevailed over them. You have prevailed over them, not over it. You haven't prevailed over the flesh. That's not what John is saying. You've prevailed over them. They 
are the sons of disobedience. They are the people whose origin is with the society. And here we have it. Because he who is in you, meaning that spirit of Yahweh in you, is greater than he who is in society. They are from of society. John is saying in 1 John 4, verse 5, they are from of the world. The people that deny Christ are from of the world. There are people on this planet who were created here in the world. They're not children of Adam. They're children of sin. They're the sons of disobedience. They're the creations of the fallen angels. They're the mixed race people of pre-Adamic times for the most part. They are from of society for this reason, from of society they speak and society hears them. We are from of Yahweh, he knowing Yahweh hears us. He who is not from of Yahweh does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Beloved, we should love one another because love is from Yahweh and each who has been born from of Yahweh and knows Yahweh now, the goat nations of Matthew chapter 25, if you really examine that parable, are condemned because they did not, not for what they did to each other, but because they did not love the children of God, the white Adamic nations of the world. Most men who try to interpret that parable miss that part. He not loving Yahweh knows, does not know Yahweh because Yahweh is love. By this, the love of Yahweh is manifest in us because Yahweh has sent his best-loved Son into society in order that we may live through him. And this is love, not that we love Yahweh, but that he has loved us and has sent his Son a propitiation for our errors. Again, John can only be talking to the children of Israel. 1 John I'm going backwards, chapter 3, verse 7. Children, let no one deceive you. He who is bringing about justice is just, even as he is just in God. He who is creating error is from of the false accuser, or the devil, since the false accuser errs from the beginning. It's not a choice that each one of them make during their lives. They've all sinned or created sin from the beginning. For this the Son of Yahweh has been made manifest in order that he would do away with the works of the false accuser. Each who has been born from of Yahweh does not create wrongdoing because his seed abides in him. It's entirely racial. And he is not able to do wrong because from of Yahweh he has been born. By this are manifest the children of Yahweh and the children of the devil, or the false accuser. All who are not bringing about justice are not from of Yahweh, and he not loving his brother, because this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was from of the wicked one, and slaughtered his brother, and with delight he slaughtered him, because his deeds were evil, but those of his brother righteous. I'm going to read Ephesians 2 again, the first three verses. And you being dead in transgressions and in your errors, when we were in sin, rebellious of God, we followed after the ways of the Canaanites. That's why we were divorced from God. That's why the children of Israel were put out of the presence of God. 
in which you had at one time walked, in accordance with the age of the society, in accordance with the ruler of the office of the air, the false accuser, the devil, the spirit that is now operating within the sons of disobedience. It doesn't say that we were one of the sons of, of disobedience. It says that we walked in accordance with them. We followed the Canaanites. We learned their ways that meshes entirely with the Old Testament story. Among whom we also had all at one time conducted ourselves in the desires of our flesh, acting out the wills of the flesh and of the thoughts, and we were by nature, not by race, but because we followed the fleshly nature, as we've just seen in so many passages. We were by nature children of wrath, even like the others. There's a whole party being contrasted there, the sons of disobedience, the children of this world, the children of the devil. So, I had questions about this passage, and I wanted to address it thoroughly. Paul is not espousing universalism here, as Ted Whelan and James Brueggemann and some other clowns try to purport. There's nothing, no universalism here at all. It's actually proving two seed line. We could be like the sons of disobedience. They can't be like us, and we can't be them. We can only be like them when we follow their ways. That's the same Old Testament story which warned us not to follow the Canaanites, not to follow the other races, but to stay separate from them. Okay, this is an open forum. That went a little longer than I thought it would, but... um. I hope somebody has something to say after all, after all that. We need some input if we're going to have an open forum, right? So I'm up for callers or, or speakers right now, or, or questions or anything else like that. Hopefully somebody will want to talk. Oh, Tagers, huh? Hello, Bruce. Hello, Bill. Praise Yahweh. Very well uh, put the approach, the attitude. Uh, yep, very well put. Praise Yahweh. Hello, Mike. Yeah, Mike, your connection, I think, is terrible. It might be anyway. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that worked. Oh, it don't look like we're going to go to a whole lot of feedback here tonight. This might be a one-hour open forum. That, that's not too open, <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, all the Judeos in churchianity are are uh, are acting like the Canaanites, but they're not, you know, the Anglo. Well, well, right, they are. They're acting like the Canaanites. The people that are following the world are acting like the children of the devil. They're acting like the sons of disobedience. They're in strip clubs, they're in casinos, they're at sporting events, they're partying with beasts, and, and they're acting just like those people. But that doesn't make them those people, right? Yes, that's right. That doesn't make them Canaanites. They're like Canaanites, but that doesn't make them Canaanites. And, and, and the universalists want to take advantage of that passage when, when that passage is not saying at all what the universalists try to make it say. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it. Uh, I mean, people that that uh, take the Jew interpretation of that that verse the way the the devil would like our folks to uh, read into it is that we all are all descendants and mixed with the blood of Cain. That's a, that's what they really push. But, well, if, they, if, if, if that were true, then we, would all, we should all just jump off the roof, right? I mean, we'd all be sons of disobedience. Yeah, exactly. And, and the word of God would fail. 
Oh, yeah. And the word of God can't fail. So so he must have, well, 7,000 men who have not bent to need a bow, right? He must yes, have sir. a pure remnant here in this world. Or, or the word of God is a failure. Yeah, and, and, and the message wasn't to the individual salvation. It, had no, it was nothing to do with individual salvation, which is completely Judeo. But with, in a sense of being the seed in the loins of Abraham. <laughs> because all this individualistic uh, personal salvation, uh, that's... That's also acting like like the children of disobedience. Well, well, if we were taught right, we would all understand that we all have individual salvation. We don't have to worry about that. We should all love our brother and care about our nation. And, and caring about your nation is loving your brother. Oh, exactly. And sensual excitement, religious entertainment, and football and all that crap. That's all, that's all the Canaanite. Society, you know, Canaanite. Uh, well, well, that's all lusting and following the ways of the sons of disobedience. Yeah, and so the big the question begs: Is it possible to come out of that? Well, if it's not, then Paul's crazy. So he, it's it, it's it's absolutely possible because with through in Yahweh we, we do all things. He expressed that many ways. I don't know how it is impossible to come out of it. I mean, I haven't watched a sporting event in 15 years. I don't drink Coke. I don't drink and engage in the commercialism. I don't go to gambling casinos. Or It's not hard to come out of that. It's just a matter of um, realizing how evil it all is, and, and, and then you'll want to come out of it. Well, I think the coming out of it is seeing that one's in it and not create more problems. Well, that's the first major step is to see the problem with it, right? I mean, that's the true of alcoholics too, though. The first major step of not being an alcoholic anymore is to realize you're an alcoholic. But, well, it's the same thing with the world. The first major step in coming out of it is to realize that it's evil and, and you shouldn't be involved with it. Yeah, well, the, 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 the first trick is to join some stupid organization. <laughs> I hope nobody here belongs to it. Some organization. So, I told you guys we went to uh, the in-laws, uh, a birthday party for the in-laws. If you look at my avatar, that was exactly the image I had on the front of my, uh, me and, my wife and I had on the front of our shirts. <laughs> that must it have went over well. So that, that was a full page sheet on the front of the chest of each of our shirts. Did, did they call you um, his and her haters or something? <laughs> oh, they, they wouldn't touch it. They wouldn't say anything. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I got to put that on the ship. Yeah, and that, that, that Ephesians goes just exactly like Christ was expressing the uh, sheep and the goats, like you, you mentioned about that of Matthew chapter 25. Or... Well, well, some people want to ex take exception uh to football as being idolatry, but football or organized sports, spending hours in front of a television following organized sports is definitely idolatry. And, and there's a program I did on that from, from Tertullian's Day Spectaculus, which I basically read in, in its entirety and added some comments to that, that prove that organized games are, are basically nothing but idolatry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when referring to the flesh, 
in the way Paul is referring to it, he's not he's not talking about your skin blood. I mean, let, let's let, let's get real here. He's talking about sensual excitement, emotionalism, and feelings. Basically, that are deeply in, entangled with you know uh, thinking process. And he's it's not talking about uh, I, I don't know. It's just people don't go into a Especially in Christianity, they don't go into the what what the what he's referring to in the lies about the flesh. Well, well, somebody had asked that if the flesh were evil, and no, of course the flesh is not evil. No, that's idiotic for anybody to. Uh, but the to. flesh is contrary to it. It operates in a manner contrary to the will of God. Even though God created the flesh, the flesh requires the spirit to control it. Or else we, Adamic men, become degraded into our basic animal form. And, and the flesh, and, and the desires of the flesh, have a purpose which, when used correctly, it can be very beneficial to, to the conveyance of life. But it's those hormones that allow us to convey life that, um, that get us into trouble. That's just the way it is. And, and if we don't check them, if we aren't temperate, if we aren't in self-control, that, then we're going to have problems. Well, yeah. And the law is that governor that, that, that allows us to, to maintain self-control. Yes, sir. And Paul expresses it in such a way that I think it was Paul who <clears throat> said, now is the day of uh, salvation. Was that your interpretation that? Verse, Bill, now is the day, now is the time. Um, that it, it, one has to look at the whole movement of this, uh, what he's referring to as far as this desire, all the, you know, all of how desire operates. It's not a, one does not need to be evasive about it, make excuses, but look at the whole thing. Uh, not bit by, not one piece of it looking at another piece, which is a trick. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, these what psycho psychologists and philosophers and Jews are all pushing it's a, that uh, long time, right? So they get people all whacked out in the head, join these stupid groups. So I just tell folks, don't join anything. Well, well right. Guess one once, um, well, one without a spirit loses his idamic seed line for you. Well, right. One without. But one who violates his idamic seed line loses the spirit for the eternity is is what I would say. That's what a broken cistern is. I wrote a paper on two papers on that called Broken Cisterns on Christogenia that showed that same thing, that once you violate the genetic code, yet you destroy the spirit. If you look at the, the apocryphal books, Enoch, the, the parts of Enoch that Jude quoted, the book of giants, it says that the wicked spirits came from bastards. The wicked spirits of Christ's time, they, they came from bastards. They came from people of mixed race. That's the that, that's the, um, the origination of evil spirits. You had mentioned Jude, how they're, they're locked into chains of darkness. Ages. Broken Cisterns is probably one of my more popular Bible studies. I just put the link in the chat. I'm sorry, Bruce, what did you say? You had mentioned Jude about being locked in chains of darkness for the ages, the the, the uh, sons of disobedience. 
Well, they, the fallen angels mixed their race, and that change of darkness may well be an allegory for, for these dark races. That that's their origination, and and well, I believe so. And and I'm sure Clifton believes that that's definitely their origination. But locked in chains of darkness might well be an allegory, which is indicating that. Well, look at the DNA strands. They 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 look like chains, and if the chromosome if the chromosomes aren't matching each other and complementing kind after kind. They're locked. Uh, there, there's no way to unlock that uh, code. Well, you can't undo the damage, that's for sure. And the Jews are. The, the Jews are, are looking to modify gen, the entire genetics of the planet. They're trying to make creation in their image. They're, they're all mixed up with the entire genetics of the planet, so they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to do that to everything else. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, people make comments all the time about, you know, you got bad genes or, oh, uh, I mean, th th this is commonplace. I mean, then when you talk about it in a, in a serious manner, rather, for the most part, I, I mean, scoff at it. Oh, we got to have something more than this tonight. I mean, I mean, there's almost two dozen people here and nobody wants to talk. That's incredible. Yeah, come on. Where are all these people? Get your mic going. Let's roll. Talking about rolling, I went into work this morning and I thought, well, I'm kind of working for a white man driving a driving his truck because he set me up and I asked him and they said, yeah, he's a white man. They know I'm racist. And sure enough, old big six foot four Leroy the nigger hands me the keys truck. I gotta find another. No problem. Oh, this might be a um, 75 minute Christian European forum. That's that's. <laughs> what can I say? There's a couple of usually wordy people that aren't here. Michael's not here. Michael's the reason why I did this presentation, but, but he's he's not here. He's the one that wanted to know about this. He's the one that asked me about it the other day, and, and um, the topic had come up before, how we could be children of wrath by nature as if that was, but, but Paul's not meaning by race. He's meaning because we're following the natural way of the flesh. That's what he's he's indicating. Okay, that'll be it. And and um, thanks y'all for being here. But it, it'd be nice if people wanted to talk. This is an open forum, and and that's the um, that's the reason why it's here. I'll see you next Monday.